Our first song will be Holy Ground. If we have it, let us sing. This is holy ground. We're standing on a holy ground. For the Lord is present and where he is is holy. This is holy ground. We're standing on holy ground. For the Lord is present and where he is is holy. We are standing on holy ground, and I know that there are angels all around. Let us praise Jesus now. We are standing in his presence on holy ground. You are holy God, a perfect and holy God. We will come before you with hearts made clean by Jesus' blood. You are holy God, a perfect and holy God. We will come before you with hearts made clean by Jesus' blood. We are standing on holy ground, and I know that there are angels all around. Let us pray. We are standing in his presence. We are standing in his presence on holy ground. Unto thee, O Lord. If we have it, let us sing. Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in thee. 
Oh, let me not be ashamed. Let not my enemies triumph over me. Yea, let none that wait on thee be ashamed. Yea, let none that wait on thee be ashamed. Oh, my God, I trust in thee. Oh, let me not be ashamed. Let not my enemies triumph over me. Remember not the sins of my youth. Remember not the sins of my youth. Oh, my God, I trust in Oh, let me not be ashamed, let not my enemies triumph over me. Amen. The song before the Lord's Supper will be the old rugged cross. The old rugged cross. If we have it, let us sing. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain so I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my throne at last I lay down I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown in that old cross stained with blood so divine a wondrous beauty I see for it was on that old cross Jesus suffered and died to pardon and sanctify me. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at 
at last I lay down, I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown to the old rugged cross I will ever be true it shame and reproach gladly bear then he'll call me someday to my home far away where is glory for ever I'll share so I'll cherish the rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. At this time in our service, we will prepare our minds to partake of the Lord's Supper. We look back over time and we see that there was a time 2,000 years ago where our Lord and Savior Christ Jesus came to this earth, and God was indeed in the flesh. And we understand, we trust and believe that Christ Jesus suffered and died on the cross for our sins. As we continue reading in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I want us to start at verse 14. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. The Bible reads, For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, We regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. We we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. 
God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Shall we pray? Our blessed Heavenly Father, we are so mindful of the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior Christ Jesus. We are so mindful of his willingness to take on the sins of mankind and suffer on down the cross for those. Heavenly Father, as we partake of this emblem, the bread which represents his body, Father, may we never forget that awesome sacrifice, that atoning sacrifice that took place, Father, so that we can have access to the hope that we have through him and you. Heavenly Father, these things we pray and thank you for in Christ Jesus' most holy name. Amen. Blessed Heavenly Father, we again humbly bow before you, Father, as we prepare to take of this emblem, the fruit of the vine, which represents the blood of our Lord and Savior Christ Jesus. Heavenly Father, we understand and accept and believe that his blood has covered a multitude of sins. But Father, we also understand that it was necessary for him to suffer and die so that we can have a new and better covenant. And Father, that he did. And Father, let us be thankful for the new and for the better. Let us be mindful that the old has passed away as we partake of this. Heavenly Father, these things we pray and thank you for in Christ Jesus' most holy name. Amen. And the Lord's Supper is concluded. We are going to say an offering. Uh, I, I think a blessing, a bless rather, the offering today. We know that many are, are, use, uh, are, are given via the um, online giving system that we have in place. Some are mailing their, their offerings in. But we want to be thankful of those offerings, however we get them. So let's think about giving for a moment. Giving makes us feel happy. Giving is good for our health. Giving promotes cooperation and social connection. Giving evokes gratitude. And finally, giving is contagious. Let us always be ready to give of our means as we have been blessed with, to give of our time that we have been blessed with, to give of what it is we have that we can use to help others. Let us pray. Our blessed Heavenly Father, we thank you so very much, Father, for the contributions that are made to the work of this congregation today in whatever form it is made in. And Father, we, in, thank, in thanking you for this blessing, Father, 
we want to thank those who have provided it. And Father, we ask that the elders of this congregation who are entrusted to, to minister these funds, Father, that we would do so in a way that is truly pleasing in your sight, that we will do so for the work of spreading your word in the work of this congregation. Father, thank you for blessing us with so many in this congregation who have the ability and the opportunity to do this this day. Father, these things we pray and thank you for in Christ Jesus' most holy name. Amen. Our next song will be, I'm Going That Way. I'm Going That Way. We have it. Let's sing. I've heard of a land of joy and peace and wonderful light. A beautiful place, a mansion fair and skies ever bright. Where all who believe the Savior dear forever shall stay. And having been saved by grace divine, I'm going that way. I'm going that way. I'm going that way. And Jesus the Savior I adore is with me each day. I'm clinging to Him. And never to stray. Yes, singing his praises all day long. I'm going that way. The glorious news I tell and sing as onward I go. That those who are still astray in sin, my Savior may know. I want them to sing his praise above so beautiful day. For glory to him who died for me, I'm going that way. I'm going that way. I'm going that way. And Jesus the Savior I adore is with me each day. I'm clinging to him and never to stray. Yes, singing his praises all day long. I'm going that way. I know I shall meet him at the gate when trials are past. I know I shall meet him face to face in glory and last. And no, I believe that when we meet, well done, he will say. For trusting his soul, redeeming love, I'm going that way. I'm going that way. I'm going that way. And Jesus the Savior I adore is with me each day. I'm clinging to him and never to stray. 
Yes, singing his praises all day long. I'm going that way. I'm going that way. I'm going that way. And Jesus the Savior I adore is with me each day. I'm clinging to him and never to stray. Yes, singing his praises all day long. I'm going that way. Amen. A song before the lesson will be Heaven Came Down. And if you all are by chance at home with your books and you want to follow along, the song of invitation will be one, num, number 179, God is Calling the Prodigal. God is Calling the Prodigal, 179. Heaven came down, 822. After which, Tony will come and give us our lesson. If we have it, let us sing. Oh, what a wonderful, wonderful day, day I will never forget. After I wandered in darkness away, Jesus my Savior I met. Oh, what a tender, compassionate friend, he met the need of my heart. Shadow dispelling with joy, I am telling, he made all the darkness depart. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. When at the cross the Savior made me whole. My sins were washed away and my night was turned to day. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. Born of the Spirit with life from above, into God's family divine. Justified fully through Calvary's love, oh, understanding in mine. And the transaction so quickly was made When as a sinner I came Took of the offer of grace he did proffer He saved me, oh praise his dear name Heaven came down and glory filled my soul When at the cross the Savior made me whole My sins were washed away And my night was turned to day Heaven came down and glory filled my soul Now I've a hope that will surely endure after the passing of time, I have a future in heaven for sure. There in those mansions sublime. And it's because of that wonderful day when at the cross I believed. Rich is eternal and blessed it's supernal from his precious hand I received. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. When
And at the cross the Savior made me whole. My sins were washed away, and my night was turned to day. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. Amen. Church, it is truly a blessing and an amazing honor as God has granted to us this amazing opportunity to worship Him in spirit and in truth. In the midst of uh, chaos, you know, chaos is in the world every day, trouble and difficulty, but God is still the same, and we thank Him for His majesty. We're glad to be here this morning. I want, as a way of introduction, just for a moment to... um, uh, say to you that I plan in this next, uh, you know, thought that we're going to have on apocalyptic hope. This is actually from the book of Revelation. So we're going to go over the book of Revelation. I plan to present approximately 30 individual lessons as an overview taken from the book of Revelation. And today we're going to begin with the background of the book. And so we're dealing with historical uh, evidence or information And so we build on the thought of apocalyptic hope. And so I'm thankful that you are with us and joining us and pray that you will continue with us through this journey uh, in this lesson. Let's go, please, to our Heavenly Father in a word of prayer. Our masterful and merciful, kind and great, wonderful Heavenly Father, we do praise your holy and divine name and thank you so very much for allowing us this good and wonderful opportunity to worship you again. Thank you, Lord God, for allowing us to be able to stream, to get your word out, Lord God, and through modern-day technology. Help us, Lord God, to continue to be able to be fulfilled from your word, to be strengthened from your word, and to grow from your word. Bless us, Lord God, during this time of of isolation that we will um, take this opportunity you've given to us and grow. We'll spend time in your word, studying, and never forgetting to serve, Lord God, and help where there is a need. We pray that you will guide us this morning into all truth, and that you will, again, accept our worship service. We thank you for Jesus, your great son, who died on that cruel cruel cross of Calvary that we might live. Thank you for all that you do, for all that you've done, and for all that you will do. In Jesus' holy and precious name, we do pray and give thee thanks. It will be your will. Amen. So this morning, if you will turn to Revelation chapter 6, the word apocalypse, we have the word translated into English, uh, revelation. The word apocalypse means the unveiling or unfolding of things not previously known and which not be known apart from the unveiling. So in other words, if God hadn't unwrapped this for us and given it to us in a gift package, we would not understand what this particular uh, book that we're reading is. So it tells us that we can understand it, right? Folks run from the book of Revelation because of the lack of understanding or fear, but because it unveils itself to God people, we can understand the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation reveals the answer from God. This is so important. This is so critical. It is the answer from God 
during the days of a a persecuted church, right? A congregation of people going through an extreme amount of persecution. God gave this book to encourage them and to help them to remain faithful and true to Him. And then there's an overwhelming theme found in this book. And that overwhelmed theme is from a Greek word, nikeo. And that Greek word, nikeo, we get the word Nike from. It means victory. And you'll find the word victory uh, actually 28 times written in the New Testament. And it's 17 times it's found written in the book of Revelation. The idea that God has given to his people is we win. <laughs> I mean, it may look bleak. You know, times may look gloomy and it, it may seem like even right now people are wondering, will this ever end? And all the, and the book of Revelation isn't necessarily about this pandemic, but we'll find principal thoughts so we can gain from it. But the idea and the understanding of the book of Revelation is regardless of what goes on around us, regardless of what happens to us, regardless of what comes our way, brethren, in the end, we win. And that's why we're children of God. So, Revelation, if you will, chapter 6, verses 1 and verse 2. And I saw when the Lamb broke one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying, as with a voice of thunder, come. And I looked, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him. And he went out conquering and to conquer. He went out Nikeo to Nikeo. In other words, from victory to victory. He went out from to overcome and to overcome, to prevail and to prevail. In other words, there's no way that Jesus Christ loses. And there's no way the church loses. For we not only win, we have won. The Bible speaks of our victory not in a future tense, but rather in a past, present, and a future tense. Now, I want to give you a very generic date. The date between 79 and uh, 96 A.D. And actually, if, you know, depending on what you, you know, what you think, it, it's fine. There's it's a very generic date, but it has to be after the destruction of Jerusalem. And that's important. That's critical. That's A.D. 70. And it needs to be somewhere in uh, the, uh, res- responding to Domitian. So probably at the end of the reign of Vespasian. Uh, and then, and then going all the way into the reign of, of Domitian. And, and you'll see why when we get into later chapters of the book and understand that date a little more, uh, accurately or clearly. And so, you choose, uh, whether you want 81 AD or, or, you know, somewhere around, that's really up to you. You can go through and look at that and research it. We don't have a defined or definite date, but it definitely was written in between a period. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 1. The apostle John wrote the book of Revelation. Uh, by way of inspiration, but Jesus Christ is the author of the book. And that's critical, okay? Revelation 1 and verse 1, uh, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show which uh, things which must shortly take place, and he sent and communicated it by his angel and to his bondservant, John. Skip down to verse 9, please, of Revelation chapter 1. I John, your brother and fellow partaker in the tribulation and kingdom and perseverance, which are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like the sound of a trumpet. Write in a book what you see 
and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, and to Smyrna, and to Pergamum, and to Thyatira, and to Sardis, and to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. We're going to go to Matthew 28. The condition of the Christians who received this, this book, this message, was very, very critical. Christianity at the, was it the first time it was, you know, it was unnoticed by the Romans. The Romans thought to themselves, you know, this is, you know, this is Christianity. They thought it was a part of Judaism. So they were like, you know, it's okay. Judaism is a legal religion. And so it's, it's not really an issue. Um, the Romans, when they conquered a land, they would allow you to continue to practice your religious views. However, they did have a few restrictions on uh, that. And that is you can't proselytize. I'll come back to that in just a moment. Once Rome discovered that Christianity was not a part of Judaism, that's when the trouble Christians really came to light. Christianity, uh, from this point forward, was deemed an illegal religion by Rome. And there are many, many, multiple problems that the child of God would face. Rome tolerated the religion of those whom they conquered. They were like, you can have a little bit of this and a little bit of that. If you want a little bit of God, a little bit of Zeus, and a little bit of Hermes, a little bit, whatever you want, it's fine. Artemis, you can have it. But I don't want you to go from one religion to another religion based on proselyting or evangelism. Well, that poses a problem for Christianity because Christianity exists to save souls, right? The souls of all of humanity. Christ is um, a proselyting church, right? We, we're all about evangelism. That's what the Bible tells us to be. That's what the church has always been. So now it gives you then a different look at Matthew 28, verse 18, when you understand that Jesus comes on the scene and he's telling Christians, he's given this this commandment to the apostle that want you to go and defy the order or the commandment of Rome and do what you're supposed to do, and that is save souls. So look at verse 18. Jesus says, Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I command you. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. But Jesus, um, there's a Roman decree, law, that says, you may practice your religion, but you may not evangelize. You see, it kind of gives you a little twist, a little, little more understanding, right? Depth of understanding of how powerful this passage really is. It took faith, it took commitment, it took courage, it took conviction to say, I'm going to go and do thus saith the Lord in spite of what Rome may decree. Christianity, an illegal religion, but right in the sight of God. Turn to Mark, please, chapter 16. Mark chapter 16, to look again at the commandment. There was a, a tremendous danger involved in spreading 
the message of hope. A message of hope? Why would there be danger in spreading a message of hope? Mark 16, verse 15. And he said to them, speaking of the disciples, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. You go out, you preach to all creation, even the Romans. Mm. <laughs> yeah. You see the, you see the power of the message? You see the, this apocalyptic hope is so important, it's so powerful, because in the midst of persecution, the church continued to evangelize about Jesus Christ. They continue to present the message of hope to a lost and dying world. Turn to John chapter 15, please. Christians, Christians were concerned about the worldwide brotherhood. They were concerned about the family of God. They were concerned about each other. They were concerned about the souls of all nations because they could see Jesus. And they could see the message of God and they could see the resurrection and they could see the heavenly hope that we have in our Lord and Savior. And so this, this love compelled them to fulfill the commandments of God. Roman, uh, John rather, chapter 15 and verse 12. This is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. And brethren, not only set the stage, Mark chapter 12, just set the stage. But then the, uh, the apostles and, and, if you will, the saints, they would give their lives for Jesus willingly. And not only that, based on the historical account, they would give their lives for each other because they loved each other. And they love God just that much. Mark 12, verse 29. You get to see this in practice. Jesus uh, uh, answered, therefore, the, excuse me, the foremost is here. O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind and with all of your strength. And the second is like to it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Brethren, may I just, turn to Matthew chapter 6, please. May I just encourage you that during this time of, of, of difficulty and, and isolation and struggle that we practice love, that we show love for each other with all of our might and our strength, that we stay connected with each other, that we help each other to stay connected to God. And then when this thing is over, when this shall pass, uh, that we come together with full strength and the amazing blessing that no one's missing. Not one of us because of the great love that we have, not only for God, but the love that we have for each other. In Matthew chapter 6, here's the other issue. Christianity is and has always been an exclusive religion. What I mean by that is is that Christians refuse to socialize in the sense of um, going to the heathen social life events, right? We're, we're not, we're not the people that would go off and practice the customs of the earth. We're not the ones that are, you'll find uh, in the places where we ought not to be. And so these children of God understood what Jesus meant when he said you can't serve two masters. You serve one or the other. 
In Matthew 6, in verse 24, the Bible says, No one can serve two masters. For he will either hate the one and love the other, or he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. That's an absolute impossibility. They understood that. Later, emperor worship would be an issue because the Christians refused. See, Christians would not bow down. They would not compromise. They would not capitulate. In no way, shape, or form, Christians stood their ground. And for that reason, they were being put to death, being beheaded by Rome. Christians were looked upon as being cannibalistic. Kind of weird, right? You know, they read John 6, and Jesus says, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, right? This morning we partook of the Lord's Supper, as we do every first day of the week, right? Uh, the bread, the body of Jesus Christ through the eye of faith, and the blood, uh, the, the juice, the blood of Jesus Christ through the eye of faith. And so them not hun- having an understanding of the spiritual meaning behind what we're doing to protect the unleavened bread and the juice. They thought that Christians were cannibalistic. They even thought that Christians practiced incest. The Romans thought that the Christian meetings were, were kind of weird because they thought they were uh, of a sexual manner. And, and here's the reason. Uh, because they loved each other so much. They thought there's no way you can have that kind of love for each other unless there's some kind of sexual issues. No, that wasn't it though. And because their meetings often went all the way into the night. So you meet at night and, well, you know, what else could they think? But they didn't understand what Christianity was truly all about. John 13, please, in verse 35. You have to then recognize what Jesus Christ says in John 13, in verse 35. He says, by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. That's what always gave them away. <laughs> That's what it gave them away time and time again that these folks love each other. And that's what pins you as a Christian. Ah, Rome didn't understand. The world doesn't understand the love that God's people have for each other. So when Christians refuse to compromise, the Romans said to themselves, these Christians are even worse than the rebellious Jews. Now Rome has a problem. Because Jesus Christ is king. Rome has an issue. And they're struggling. And so Christians were looked upon as wild fanatics. Because here's what they suffered from. An enthusiasm for God. <laughs> and so the Romans said, whoa, there's something wrong with these people. Christians refused idolatry. Christians refused uh, to worship anything other than or anyone other than God. They refused Roman tradition, even Greek tradition, Greek mythology. They refused it all to Rome. That was a problem. So please turn to Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7. The new policy at this point, sometime into Christianity. Remember Nero? Nero blamed the Christians for burning Rome. And I mean, accusations made against the Christians. The Christians were the reason for everything that was bad, if you will. So this new policy came out. Destroy the church. 
Remember Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18, the gates of Hades should not prevail against it. You can't destroy Jesus' church. All it did was strengthen the church of Christ. And so here in, in, in Acts chapter 7, you find the beginning of this idea of the destruction of God's people. In verse 58, and when they had driven him out, speaking of Stephen, of the city, they began stoning him and the witness laid aside their robes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they went on stoning Stephen as he called upon the Lord and said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling on his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And having said this, he fell asleep. Now, we know that Paul was there. And we know, now here's, a, this is murder, right? But it was okay because it was the murder of a Christian. You see, it was getting rid of this this new religion, the way, the Bible says, the way of Jesus, the way to eternity, the way to salvation. It was removing this way, this threat to Rome, this threat to the world. And that's what made it so easy for the Apostle Paul to go, or Saul at the time, to go and get a letter and say, hey, let us go by any means necessary and stop this new belief. Chapter 8 of Acts, verse 1. And Saul was in hearty agreement with putting him to death. And all that day, persecution arose against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And some devout men buried Stephen and made loud lamentations over him. But Saul began ravaging the church, entering house after house, and dragging off men and women, and would put them in prison. Revelation chapter Rome, a very corrupt society of people, very corrupt nation. Her boundaries uh, extended. I mean, she Rome was Rome was everything. Right? It seemed like Rome was was everywhere. Her boundary extended from the British Isle to the African desert. I mean, it was just just amazing. You go and look at the map, and you see Rome was. Rome was everything. It was everywhere from the Atlantic Ocean to the Euphrates. It was just, I mean, everything was Rome. Rome. You couldn't get away from it. They had very large trained armies situated in different places. They had a client kingship that ultimately would destroy it. But they had a client kingship that was amazing. We'll talk more about that later. Revelation 13 and verse 4. Here was the thought of the people. And they worshipped the dragon because he gave his authority to the beast. And they worshipped the beast saying, Who is like the beast? And who is able to wage war with him? In other words, who could ever defeat Rome? Rome is the beast. No one can defeat Rome. No one can defeat Satan, the force of evil. There's no way can win. We lose this. Rome is invincible. But when you get the apocalyptic hope, you hear this word, Nikeo, Nikeo, Nikeo. Victory, victory, victory. An invincible kingdom? Where is the invincible? You are a part of an invincible kingdom. Rome is nothing. You go back to Daniel chapter 2, you find that Rome will crumble and be shattered by the church. Hmm. Rome. Christians were being killed. They were being exiled. 
They were being robbed of all their property. They were for refusing to renounce their religious beliefs. You find that in Hebrews chapter 10 and other passages of the Bible. You find this amazing persecution upon the church. And when evils were seeking to utterly destroy the church, many were asking this, this amazing question. Is there any hope? <laughs> Is there any hope for our future? I mean, our babies are being put to death. Our mothers are being killed. Our fathers are being executed. All for the name of, of Jesus. Is there any hope? Uh, I mean, sh- should, we, should we give in? Should we, should we give up? Should we go back to, to what we were doing before? Go back to Judaism and for the Gentile Christians? Should we go back to following Roman rule and, and following Artemis and following Zeus and Hermes and all the... Should we go back to the, the Areopagus and the Mars Hill and worship one of those gods? I mean, what, what should we do? In light of this particular thought, God gave his great, effective, magnificent, most awesome answer. He gave his people, through the apocalyptic literature, apocalyptic hope. He said, you watch what's going to happen. So, Romans 7, Revelation 17 and verse 14. The Bible says, These will wage war against the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them, because He is Lord of lords and King of kings, and those who are with Him are the called and chosen and faithful. In other words, we win. <laughs> Chapter 18, verse 15. The Bible says, The merchants of these... Things who become rich from her will stand at a distance because of the fear of her torment, weeping and mourning, saying, Woe, woe, the great city, she who was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls. For in one hour such great wealth has been laid waste, and every shipmaster and every passenger and sailor and as many as make their living by the sea stood at a distance, and were crying out as they saw the smoke of a burning, saying, What city is like the great city? And they threw dust on their heads and were crying out, weeping and mourning, saying, Woe, woe, the great city in which all who had ships at sea became rich by her wealth, for in one hour she has been laid waste. Rejoice over her. O heaven, and you saints and apostles and prophets, because God has pronounced judgment for you against her. And a strong angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, This will, thus will Babylon, the great city, be thrown down with violence and will not be found any longer. Who wins? (laughs) Not Rome. Revelation 20, beginning at verse 11. And then there's something further that comes. The great judgment day. And I saw a great white throne, and him who sat upon it, from those whose presence earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne. And books were opened, and another book was opened. 
which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every one of them, according to their deeds. And death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Oh, God says, don't worry, church. (laughs) I got this completely and totally under control in your present, in the past, and I have the future covered as well. Amen? Right? Thank you, God, for this amazing book that you have given us. And so, when you think about the Bible holistically, from Genesis to Revelation, you if you ever feel discouraged, when you find yourself in great despair, when you find yourself in mental anguish, when you find yourself struggling or suffering in any way, even through this very pandemic, Know for sure that God is alive and well. And we win. Jesus rose from the dead, never to die again. And so shall we. God is King of kings and Lord of lords. He reigns supreme over everything. And so our hope, Revelation chapter 2, please, our hope, our trust, our confidence is in God and God alone. Revelation 2 and verse 10, and so came the words of encouragement to the church of Smyrna. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. And we're going to talk about those crowns tonight, Lord willing. But the idea, the understanding is, be faithful through all of this negativity, through all of the struggles in life, Be faithful to God until you leave this earth. Stay true to God forever. Stay strong in your faith. Do what's necessary to remain faithful, to be faithful, because we win. And church, if we don't get that message and we don't understand that, we're going to find ourselves doing what many have done in the past, giving up our faith, compromising our faith, and losing our souls. What will a man give in exchange for his soul? Why would you give up the victory for the defeat? Why would you exchange the victory to be conquered by Satan? Brethren, stay faithful. Stay true to God. Even through this difficult time. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Even through this time when you're looking and searching for hope, stay faithful and stay true to God. There are things that you know for sure, and now there's something else you know for sure, and that is we win. Verse 58 of verse Corinthians chapter 15. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Now please turn to Acts chapter 2. I want to go to this passage and close this out. Hold on to your confidence. Hold on to your faith. Hold on to your hope. Hold on to your love. For Jesus is our shelter in the time of storm. The emperors of Rome are not Lord. They're Lord with a little lowercase l. Jesus is 
the only Lord with an uppercase. Jesus is king. That is the message of apocalyptic hope. And brethren, we have not only a resurrection to come, but we have God on our side. We have God with us always and forever. And church, we win. And even though things may seem or times may seem bleak, know that we win. We reign victorious. This is the background of the book of Revelation to get us ready for what's to come. Oh, we have hope. We have hope. In Acts 2, in verse 36, you can understand then the power of verse 36. Though the Romans had all authority, it seemed. It seemed like they were in complete and total control. They were taking innocent man. Pilate would deem Jesus innocent. And just to please the people, Pilate would say, I wash my hands of him. And he would say, execute him. And they would execute our Lord and Savior. But then came Peter through the prophetic message of Joel and Micah and Isaiah and all the prophetic messages that came to speak of Jesus. And Peter says, therefore, verse 36, that all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. And when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brethren, what shall we do? You see, the problem was they feared Rome, but now they fear God. And they should have feared God from the beginning, but they missed the great message of hope. And this morning I'm praying you don't miss it. I'm praying that we do not miss the great message of hope. And verse 38 says, And Peter said to them, Repent, and let each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I wonder if there are some out there, maybe your neighbors or maybe someone is listening that is ready to surrender to God, is ready to, to get rid of the the defeatist attitude and, and take on the attitude of Jesus, understanding that we are victorious. This lesson is yours. Brother Tim is going to lead us in a song of invitation. God is calling the prodigal, come without delay. He'll hear him calling, calling now for thee. Though you've wandered so far from his presence, come today. Hear his loving voice calling still, calling now for thee. Oh, weary prodigal, come, calling now for thee. Oh, weary prodigal, come, come, there's bread in the house of thy father and to spare. Hear, oh, hear him calling, calling now for thee. Lo, the table is spread and the feast is waiting there. Hear his loving voice calling still. Calling now 
for thee, O weary prodigal, come, calling now for thee, O weary prodigal, come, calling now for thee, O Prodigal come, calling now for thee, O weary prodigal come. Our closing song for today will be number uh, number 602, Sweet By and By, in the Sweet By and By. After which we'll have our closing prayer. If we have it, let us sing. There's a land that is fairer than day. And by faith we shall see it afar. For the Father waits over the way. To prepare us a dwelling place there In the sweet by and by We shall meet on that beautiful shore In the sweet by and by We shall meet on that beautiful shore We shall sing on that beautiful shore The melodious songs of the bliss And our spirit shall sorrow no more Not a sigh for the blessing of rest In the sweet by and by, we shall meet on that beautiful shore. In the sweet by and by, we shall meet on that beautiful shore. To our bountiful Father above. We will offer our tribute of praise for the glorious gift of his love and the blessing that hallow our days in the sweet by and by. We shall meet on that beautiful shore In the sweet by and by We shall meet on that beautiful shore In the sweet by and by We shall meet on that beautiful shore In the sweet by and by We shall meet on that beautiful shore Amen
Shall we pray? Our blessed, our loving Heavenly Father, what a wonderful opportunity we've had today. An opportunity, Father, to come together both in person and via the internet to worship you, to praise you, to glorify you and honor you. Heavenly Father, your word is indeed powerful. And your word has a way of blessing us in so many ways. Sometimes it it happens and we're not even aware of it. But as time passes, we know. We understand that it was you, Father, that provided that wonderful blessing that we had the opportunity to share. Heavenly Father, you're looking over us every day of our lives, Father, especially during this time. And Father, we thank you for that. Father, may we always take the opportunity to worship you whenever we can. Let us be thankful of the technology that you've provided for us, Father, so that we can participate as we are. Heavenly Father, we're so very thankful for Tony and the work that he does at this congregation, for Brother John, for for coming out to lead the singing, for Brother Pat, who provided interpretation to the death, and for the support that we're receiving from, from Julie and Tracy as well. Father, we thank you for them. Heavenly Father, we know that without those individuals in the booth, Josh and Glenn, that that this technology wouldn't be so easily made available to those who are participating. And Father, we thank you for them as well. May we always be mindful, Father, that we are a family, whether we are, we are together or socially distanced. We are a family in God, Father, and because of this, we will always love one another and love you. Heavenly Father, these things we pray and thank you for in Christ Jesus' most holy name. Amen. Just for a few closing announcements. Uh, men, be mindful that we do have the men's Bible class taking place on Tuesdays and Thursday nights. You are invited. You are invited to participate. It's a discussion type of a lesson. Uh, it's 